All right, and church said amen. 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 I tell you, the worshipful songs that we sing uh, before we come to the Word of God surely is God's way of preparing our hearts to hear from Him today. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, it's it's all about the worship. Revelation chapter 4 is also about the worship. You know, we learned in Revelation that the most common name for Jesus Christ is Lamb. Throughout the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. And we looked a few weeks ago at the worship of the Lamb, where it took place in heaven. And we found in chapter 4 the description of the throne. That around the throne of God, there's tremendous worship. All the angels and the redeemed are in heaven are gathered around His throne worshiping Him. What a wonderful thought as we're here on earth, gathered around His Word, understanding that in heaven that there are those beings gathered around His throne that are worshiping Him. And so we saw the place of heaven where worship is taking place. But this morning in chapter 5, I want us to see the theme of worship. Uh, What causes that worship to happen? What really gives us incentive to worship Him now on this Sunday morning? You see, when we think about that worship of the Lamb, and as we look at chapter 5, we're going to see things that give an indication of what our worship is all about or what the theme of it should be. We are going to see a, a scroll and a sacrifice, and we're going to see the saints gathered, and we're going to understand that they're singing a new song. And all those things are indication of the thing that is responsible for the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and here on earth. And the theme of our worship is redemption. It's all about redemption. It's all about the one who redeemed us, who gave his life for us. In verse 9 of chapter 5, Scripture says, For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. You see, the reason that we worship our Savior is the incredible gift of the sacrifice that He made for us. That when we were rebelling against God, when we were indifferent toward who He was, when we took no thought or care about Him at all, He was dying for us, that He died for us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's redemption, isn't it? Being saved from destruction and given new life in Jesus Christ to live forever with Him in heaven. That's being redeemed. Redemption means to buy someone or something back at a price from something that's destructive. You see, Scripture is is clear and certain about all who, who continually live rejecting Jesus Christ as their Savior. That they're bound to slavery of sin. And that very slavery will carry them after this life into eternal separation from God. Apart from redemption. Being saved by Jesus Christ. You know, so often we hear believers saying, oh, salvation is free. Salvation is not free, it's paid for. And it was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And that's why we worship Him and celebrate who He is because of redemption. Listen to what chapter 5 says in Revelation. And I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose it its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in the, and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped Him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, thank You today for encouragement of worship that we find in Scripture. Thank You, Lord, for giving us a, a peek into heaven to see what it's like there continually. That before that everlasting throne, that there's so many that are ascribing glory and honor and praise to you. And that glory and honor and praise, power is ascribed to you because you truly are the everlasting Redeemer. That our salvation, our hope, our redemption comes through you. No other place, no other way but through you. Thank you that that becomes the very theme of our worship. Not just in heaven, but here on this earth. And so, Lord, we thank you. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll open these scriptures to us this morning. That will help see a, an even greater un, and have a greater understanding of what it really means of why we worship you. And Lord, I thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin to look at this great passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 5. Uh, first of all, let me call you, your attention to some of the things that are going on here in this passage. First of all, as we look at chapter 5, the, the very first thing that we see is that there's a search going on. Uh, that there's a search uh, around heaven and on earth and under the earth for someone to come and open a scroll. Now, if you look at verse 1, excuse me, I'm sorry, look at verse 2, that this search in heaven for someone to open the scroll, uh, that, that it's held by God as He's seated on His throne in His right hand. And, and the search uh, begins in verse 2 with a proclamation. Now, the proclamation goes like this. It's a strong angel, John says. And he saw this strong angel. And, and listen, I'm sure that he heard this strong angel as well. And this strong angel made a proclamation in the form of a question. And that question was this. Who is worthy? Who is worthy to take the scroll and to open the scroll and to loose the seals? You see, this scroll was very significant. We'll look at it in just a moment. But this proclamation goes out and it asks the question, who's worthy to, to take the scroll and open it? You know, when you begin to think about the implication of what the angel's asking, what he's really saying, think about it just for a minute. Our most holy God, seated on the most holy place, His throne, in, in all of His grandeur and His appearance, we saw it in chapter 4, and here's the magnificent God, creator of everything, our Redeemer, and He's seated there, and in His right hand is a scroll. And so what the angel is saying, who's going to come, and who is going to take from Him this scroll and open it up? Can you imagine the enormity of that thought? Well, if you were there with John in heaven also and, and you heard that call from the angel and he says, who's going to do this thing? I don't know about you, but I would have shrunk back into heaven as far as you could go uh, away from that responsibility, thinking about the gravity of it and the greatness of it. Who would do that? And so he asked that question. Who is going to begin to remove these seals? You see, these seals are, are explained in chapters 6 and 7 of Revelation. And these seals are, are, are these judgments that God unleashes on the earth to purify the earth. So the question, who's worthy to do that? Who is worthy to execute the judgment of God? And so that proclamation went out and the search began. Well, not only did the proclamation go out, but also the angel began to do some investigation. If you look at verse 3, he goes on and he says, And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so the angel not only says who's worthy, but he begins to look around. And he looks around heaven. And we know those that are named in heaven, they're angels that God has created. They're holy angels in heaven. There's uh, the redeemed that are already in heaven. Those that are absent from the body and present with the Lord, they're there. Uh, and so there's all these angels and uh, these 
uh, believers that are saved. They're there in heaven as well. There's the 24 elders mentioned specifically. Uh, they're there as well. And the search goes through all those. And the angel concludes, no, no one here. And if by chance that weren't enough, he, he continues his search on to heaven as if, you know, my thing is, why would you look on heaven, on earth if there's nobody in heaven? Worthy to open. But he goes and he looks around to earth and he looks around at all the people on the earth and doesn't find any out of the billions of people on the earth, nobody worthy. And, 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 and then if that weren't enough, just in case, and listen, there's no really no possibility, but, but, but he goes into the grave under the earth. Those that are waiting on judgment. And he looked around and nobody there. It's worthy of opening the seal. And so when the investigation was concluded, no one found yet. And so you can imagine John and what he was thinking at that point. And the Bible says that after the search, there was a sorrow. And in verse 4, the Bible says John began to weep. Why? Because nobody heaven, nobody on earth, nobody under the earth worthy to do this. Uh, and, and so... so as John began to weep, he was encouraged. Listen to verse 4. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and, and, and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders encouraged him. You see, why was John so sorrowful? John's reaction was of sorrow because of, first of all, the importance of the scroll. I mean, listen to the description of what God is holding in his right hand and think about how important it is. And so John's thinking this thing's so important, nobody's able to open it, so he began to weep. Why is it so important? First of all, if you look at verse 1, one of the things about the scroll is that it was involved or it was detailed. The scripture says it was written inside and on the back. Now, I don't really know what that means, and I don't know of anybody who really does know what that means. But I'm going to tell you, if you ever received anything that's written on front and back, there's a lot to it, isn't there? A lot of information, a lot of things. And so, by the very virtue of that, we understand this thing was important. John thought it was important, important enough to weep over it when no one could open it so far. And so it's important in the sense of, it, of, of its involvement or its detail had a lot, of, a, a lot to it. Uh, in verse 1, not only is it in, uh, described in that manner also, but it's invaluable. The, uh, the, the verse 1 says it was sealed with seven seals. Now, customarily in, in historical times, especially in the Roman Empire, if a document was sealed with seven seals, it was a document of life and death. It was that important. It wasn't just a casual document or a contract with someone, but to be sealed seven times meant there was significance to it, and it was a life or death matter. And so all of a sudden, when you begin to think about what that was, it, it, it had a, a, an invaluable aspect of it, that it was, was worth much. And John wept over it not being able to be opened. Not only that, but also it was impressive. Verse 2 says, uh, impressive in the sense that the question was, who's worthy? Right? If it had to be someone of significance to open the scroll and unloose the seals to open the scroll, then certainly that, that very scroll was, in a sense, impressive in its nature. 
the content of it was impressive. And so John saw the importance of it. Nobody opened it, and all of a sudden he began to weep. Weep. Well, let's move a little bit further. And, and, but, but, you know, as impressive as it is, as important as it is, for me, I, I want to know what does it mean? What's the interpretation of the scroll? What, what, what is that thing that God has that there's a search in heaven on earth and under the earth for someone worthy to open it? And, and, and uh, what, what's the significance of it? Well, there's a lot of speculation, but I'm going to give you some. that I believe it's sound in Scripture. Uh, and uh, there's a type of this same scroll found in the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, do you remember Jeremiah was prophesying to uh, Judah about their captivity? And in his prophecy to the, uh, the ones that were about to be carried into captivity, what he was saying was repent. And of course, Judah was still in rebellion. And so Nebuchadnezzar brought his Babylonian army and they came and they conquered Judah and Jerusalem. And they subjected them into slavery and bondage. They carried off a lot of young people like Daniel and others. And they trained them in Babylonian literatures and things. And so they brought the people into captivity. Now listen, most of Judah wasn't as fortunate as Daniel and the others. They were carried into a bondage kind of captivity. And they were held there, as God told Jeremiah, they'd be held there for 70 years. But before that happened, Jeremiah had a cousin named Hanamiel. And he, w- he came to Jeremiah. He was looking at the situation. You know what? Uh, the Babylonians are going to come in here. They're going to take this land. Uh, what I've got, my, my land is going to be worthless if the Babylonians have it. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to sell it before they come. And I'll have some money. And so he comes to his cousin Jeremiah. And God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go ahead and buy it. Because you'll have a deed for it. And when the captivity and the bondage is over, and when my people come back to, to resettle, you'll have ownership and your posterity will have ownership. And you'll have proof because you'll have a deed. And so after the bondage and the captivity and all that of the Babylonians and, and, and the Jews were sent back into the land to rebuild the temple and life in, in, in around Jerusalem again, that guess what? Who had the deed for the property for he and his family? Jeremiah. Why? Because he was the kinsman redeemer who purchased the land before it was put into bondage. And then at the end of the bondage, he comes along and with the deed, he claims the land that he purchased. Now, here's the significance of all this. Most scholars believe today that the scroll that John saw is a title deed to the earth, which was surrendered by Adam to Satan in the Garden of Eden. You see, Adam gave up his right to rule and his right of authority that God had given him to rule over creation when he sinned. And the Bible calls Satan, right, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this age. In other words, now that, that creation is subject to the bondage, that now he has authority. Uh, listen to Luke chapter 4. When Jesus was being tempted those 40 days and 
40 nights, Satan came and he carried him up, the scripture says, on a high mountain and he showed Jesus the kingdoms of the earth. Listen to what the scripture says. And then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said to him, all the authority I will give you, all this authority I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me, Satan speaking, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now Jesus goes on to confront Satan with a word, and he says, God is the only one that we worship. But you see, one thing that Jesus didn't do is deny the validity of Satan's offer. He didn't say, oh, Satan, you can't offer these kingdoms because you don't own them or you don't control them. Jesus didn't, he didn't confront him. So in a sense, understand that right now that Satan has authority and he has influence and sway over the world today and over our culture and over this place. But one day that's going to change when the Lamb takes the scroll out of the Father's hand. And begins to open those seals. And God's judgment begins to reign on this earth. Lehman Strauss says it like this in his commentary on the book of Revelation. He says the scroll that John saw is the title deed to the earth. Once committed to man to rule for God. But now it's in the hands of Satan. So it won't always be that way. That one day... Jesus would take that scroll and exercise God's authority to reclaim His creation that's in bondage because He's the kinsman redeemer and because He paid the price. You see, in verses 5 through 7, we see the solution. To the sorrow that John felt. In verse 5 scripture says that this elder but one of the elders said to me do not weep. Behold. The line of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll. And to loose his seven seals. And I looked and behold. In the midst of the throne and of the four and living, living creatures. And in the midst of the elders sat a lamb. As though it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes. Which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came. And took the scroll. And out of his right hand of him who sat on the throne. You see the solution first of all. Is the sovereign line. The sovereign line. Jesus will take the scroll. And he'll open the seals. And he'll execute God's judgment. That purifies the earth. And prepares it for Jesus Christ himself. To establish his throne here on earth. As scripture promises he'll do. And the Bible says he'll reign for a thousand years. It's exciting isn't it? To know that God has a plan. And that God is working through His plan. 
And God has given us understanding of what He's doing. And the sovereign Lamb, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ Himself, will take that deed. He'll open the seals. He'll claim what's His by right of, of, of purchase. And He'll establish His kingdom. By the way, after He destroys His enemies. He's the sovereign Lamb. The line of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. But also in that solution, there's not only the sovereign line, but verse 6 describes him as the slain lamb. The sovereign line and the slain lamb in verses 6 and 7. You see, Scripture uses the word slain, and, and really this particular word in the Greek language is not just to kill something or that something died, but, but it really signifies a violent death. Certainly as we know Jesus' death, we can say amen to the fact that he had a violent death. That he was rejected, he was beaten, he was scourged, thorns planted on his head, spikes driven through his hands and his feet, a, a, a spear piercing his side. Violent death. Violent by the language of those who stood before the cross, mocked him and cursed him and ridiculed him. Violence everywhere around him. He's the one who suffered a violent death. The lamb that was slain is a lamb that was slain. You know, the only way I can understand that is that, that, that listen to what the verse says in verse 6. And behold... Um, and I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. The only way I can understand that is that, that when John looked at the lamb, he saw evidence of the fact that it had been, he'd been slain. Alive, but had been dead. I don't know, it may be as Zechariah says in his prophecy about Messiah. Is that, that, that there'll be those who'll look upon him and they'll ask him about the wounds in his hand. And Zechariah says the response will be, these are the ones I received in the place of my friends. I don't know about you, but that's what friends do to you. I, I don't know how many friends I'd want like that. But what Jesus was saying, my people did this to me. And there's evidence of it. And, and, and this slaying of the lamb, the word lamb that's used here also, real significant in the sense that there's two words in the Greek language for lamb. One is for just the lamb that lives out in the field. And then there's another name for a lamb that lives in the house. It's the lamb that's loved and cherished. It's the lamb that, I don't know if we can call animals anymore pets. I heard that we're not supposed to do that anymore. But, but, uh, uh, but, but it's, it's the name of, of a pet. Lamb that's loved and cherished and cared for and, and, and watched over and, 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 and really treasured. And that's who John saw. The lamb he loved and the lamb who was slain. And that sovereign lamb is rising to claim his authority. And that slain, slain lamb is, is, is there to represent his right to it. By death and resurrection. And so the solution is Jesus Christ. Do you know there's never been a mess that you and I have ever been in? 
or that this world's ever been in that Jesus Christ isn't the answer for and that he isn't the solution to. And so when John began to weep, John began to worry, and all of a sudden, he saw that solution, Jesus Christ. Well, look a little bit further, and let me close with this. And that's the scene of worship. That scene around the throne, verses 8 through 14 describe the scene, and I'm not going to go into it very much, but I just want you to understand that in this scene of worship, there, were, there was the worship of the saints. Look at verse 8. Scripture says this, And now when he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Isn't that great? Verse 9, and says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, for God so loved the world, and have made us kings and priests to God, to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. See, that's a description of the saints. That believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are with Him in heaven, are worshiping Him and will continue to worship Him. Verses 11 and 12 speak about the angels. Those that God created, those that are holy angels. It says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them. Listen, how many can calculate this? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, here's the message, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. The saints were crying, worthy is the Lamb. The angels were crying, worthy is the Lamb. And then in verses 13 through 14, if that weren't enough, do you know what John reminds us of? He says, well, really all of creation is worshiping God. It's really all of creation. He says in verse 12, And saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb, verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessings and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Worthy is the Lamb. That's the scene, isn't it? Everything. Worshiping God. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory. Of God the Father. You see in the Old Testament. Isaac. Said where's the lamb. In the New Testament. John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And in Revelation, all creation says, Worthy is the Lamb. Bow with me and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today.